Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I will read from verse 17 to verse 20, though our consideration will be from verse 9 to verse 20 as we make our way through the sermon. Psalm 78, and I commence reading from verse 17. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread the table in the wilderness? He struck the rocks so the water gushed out, and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? We'll end our reading there. There is a common element that unites all people or all peoples of the world. There's one thing that every person in this audience, in this room, have in common. We all have needs. There will be times in our lives when we'll experience the need of some type. And whatever situation we find ourselves in, and especially if that situation is demanding, challenging, and when we find ourselves at a crossroads, not sure what to do, which direction to go, the question that lingers in our minds, Christians or non-Christians, religious or non-religious, is the question, can God really can God really come through for me? Can God really help me? Can God really provide for me? Can God really cure me, heal me? Can God really do this and that and that and that? That's a question that lingers in our minds because we found ourselves at a crossroads and processing so many things. And that question is one that if you've been a Christian for some time, perhaps you've asked or you've wrestled with, or if you've lived on earth, you've perhaps had, have wrestled with this question or something similar, or the why questions. And this morning, we, we begin a, a series that has have entitled, Can God Really? And whatever it is that you are wrestling with, 
And as we'll be going through different passages, and you're asking yourself, can God really, and there's a dash there, you fill in whatever it is that might be bothering you, or whatever it is, or whatever question that lingers in your mind. And hopefully, that as we go through this series, we'll be able to remind ourselves of God's promises to his people. The promises that he's made and are found in his words. Promises that ought to remind us of the God we serve. And we all know what a promise is. A promise is an announcement of an intention to do something. And there are two categories of promises. There are the promises of men and the promises of God. The former include promises we make to ourselves, promises we make to each other, and the promises we make to God. In the latter category, there are promises made by the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to each other, and there are promises God has made to man. And there's nothing remarkable about the promises of men. But when it comes to the promises of God, that is a different story. And so when you find yourself as a child of God, when you find yourself in the wilderness of life or in the wilderness experience of life and asking the question, can God really recount his mighty acts, his mighty deeds, his mighty undertaking in your salvation. And as you recount, may that bring you to answer the question, can God really? And say to yourself, yes, God can. Psalm 78 is often classified as a historical psalm because the majority of the psalm or the largest section of the psalm is given to a retelling of the, the history of the nation of Israel. From the time in Egypt to the reign of King David. But this isn't history for the sake of records. It's history with a lesson. As Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 13, that all these things were recorded for our learning. And what the psalmist shows us throughout the psalm is God's faithfulness to his people despite their unfaithfulness. He also shows that they, 
their repeated rebellion was due in large to their inability to remember the mighty acts of God in the past. Another theme in this psalm is that each generation has a responsibility to teach the next generation about the works and the words of the Almighty God. This psalm also highlights that there was a generation that failed to tell of the mighty acts of God. A generation that was unfaithful. The people not only failed to remember for, remember for themselves, but they, they failed to adequately teach the next generation. This was Israel's problem. They were called out of Egypt to follow the Lord by faith. However, they seemed to constantly doubt the power, the promises, and the presence of God as he traveled with them. And the entire attitude of their hearts is summed up into the two-word question they raised, they voiced, can God, can God. They were in the wilderness and began to wonder whether God knew what he was doing. They wondered if God can really secure and provide for them even in the wilderness of life. And yet they forgot the mighty acts of God in their midst. And as they were now in the wilderness, instead of them recounting the, the mighty acts of God and trusting this God for tomorrow, they began to question, they began to voice their doubts. And they began to say, can God really? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God give us bread or provide meat for his people? And when they asked this question, they doubted everything about God. Isn't it true that that's our attitude oftentimes as Christians. We doubt whether God can really provide for his people. We doubt whether God can really meet our needs. We doubt whether God does hear our prayers. And as we try and look at what the Bible says. And as we answer the question, can God really pray that as a child of God, you'll be brought back to the scriptures and show the world that is dying in sin that the God that I save is a God who can. Even if the situation looks miserable, hopeless, 
I know a God who's working out his purposes for his glory. And yes, he can. It may not be the answer that I want, but this I know. He can provide for his people. So let's open up the psalm and draw lessons for ourselves this morning. The first thing I'd like us to see is that God's people forget and become unfaithful. God's people forget and become unfaithful. Verse 9 to verse 11. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. God's people forget and become unfaithful to God. The nation of Israel seemed to to be unable to remember all the great miracles that God had performed on their behalf. How he had delivered them from Egypt by the plagues. They were forgetful. They had forgotten how God had parted the Red Sea. They had forgotten how he made the waters at Mara pure for them to drink. They had forgotten how they had put their enemies on the run. They had forgotten how God had proved himself to be a God who is powerful time and again. They were a small nation and yet a nation that was feared because news had gone around talking about the God of the nation of Israel. They are forgetful of the mighty power of God that they had witnessed in their lives. And here was a people who were called by God himself, a people called by God's name, He was a people who should have trusted the Lord without reservations. Yet they seemed oblivious to the power of God in their midst. They forgot their God and therefore they became faithless. And by asking the question, can God, they proved the ignorance of his person, and of his power. And this scene played out many times during the course of Israel's wilderness. Israel's wilderness wanderings. And even when they arrived in Canaan, when you, need, when you read numbers, you see this scene played out time after time. 
When the 12 spies were sent to Canaan, and they went there, and they saw the inhabitants of the land, and as I brought back the report when you read in Numbers 11, they said they compared themselves to the inhabitants of the land and they were like grasshoppers. Ten of the spies brought a bad report. Two of them said, the Lord has given us this land. He will give us this land. The same ignorance played out a number of times in the life of the nation of Israel. And it's the same ignorance that has followed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ even today. Some problems will arise at a personal level in the life of the church, wherever it might be, and the first thing we do as God's children is to ask the question, can God really provide? Or can God really see us through? And it may take other forms, but it is still the same question, the same spirit. Our doubts say, can God really? When he's already demonstrated his faithfulness to you. And oftentimes, Christians mirror this same kind of attitude even today. Instead of trusting the Lord, God who's demonstrated his mighty power in your life, God who's saved you from your sins. We forget and become unfaithful to this God. How many times has God come through for you in your life? How many times has he, has he moved mountains, parted the waters in your life? How many times has he lifted the, the curtain of afflictions and suffering in your life? And how many times has he allowed the light of his glory to shine brightly in your life? How many times has he spoken peace to the storms of your life? And how many times has God demonstrated his power? And yet when something seems to bring you to a crossroads, when something seems to linger in your mind, and instead of recounting the mighty acts of God and coming before this God, pleading that as he did yesterday, as he did in the past, may he come through for you even this time around. You begin to doubt and second, God, really. And you need to look back at your Christian journey. 
Remember that if God who came through for you and saved you from your sins, that while you are yet sinners, Christ died for you. If this God did that while you are still in sin, how much more now that you've come precious to him, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, what is it that you fail to do for you that will bring honor and glory to his name? Yes, it's not so much for your comfort, but it's for the honor and glory of his name. He will not fail to come through, but when you forget his mighty acts, you become unfaithful to this God. Instead of you praying to this God, calling upon this God in your present situation, you begin to wrestle with the question, can God really, really, really provide? You need to pause and take stock of your life and see what God has done so that you will be able to tell the next generation of the mighty acts of your amazing God. The second thing we see is God's faithfulness to his people. God's faithfulness to his people. Verse 12 to 16. In the sight of their, fo- their fathers, he performed wonders. In the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zohan, he divided the sea and let them pass through it. And he made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fairy light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. One way you can know this is by a better understanding of the person of God. The character of God. We see his faithfulness to his people in the wilderness. And this is recorded when you read in Exodus 13, Exodus chapter 17, but also in Numbers chapter 20. Israel had seen God keep his word time and time again. He was always faithful to do what he had promised to do (coughs) for them. And throughout the history, Israel had enjoyed the presence and the power of the Almighty God. Time and again, God had demonstrated his power in the midst of his people. Imagine seeing him part 
the sea. And the waters standing and allowing them to pass between the waters. Imagine seeing him drop manna from heavens every day for 40 years. And imagine God defeating the enemies of Israel and driving them away. Bringing the mighty army of Egypt to its knees. He had promised to deliver his people if they remained faithful and obedient to him. But he had, if they remained unfaithful, he was still going to remain faithful to himself. And even in the desert, when all seemed lost, in the, in the wilderness, wondering where food is going to come from, where water is going to come from, God, who created all things, commanded his creation to provide water for his people. God is faithful to his people. And throughout the history, the journey of the nation of Israel, God had proved that he was stronger than every obstacle they faced. He was more powerful than the Egyptian army, the Amalekites, and any other people. He proved to them that he's able to provide even when it seemed hopeless. He provided for them in the desert. And while God continued to show himself strong on behalf of his people, Israel continued to lack faith in God. They did not trust God. And the Bible tells us that many times God would turn away his wrath upon them. He was patient with them. And he led them with love and in grace. This is the God we serve. A God who is faithful to his people. A God who cannot change. A God we can trust, depend on, and a God we can call upon. And God's faithfulness cannot be defined by your perception as to whether or not work out in what you perceive to be in your favor. God's God is faithful. Even if events don't turn out as you wish they should. 
God will never deny his character. He will never deny himself. And the Lord wants you to be assured of that. That you will remain faithful to himself, to his cause. He will remain faithful to his people because he's given himself to his people and he sent his son to die for his people and to secure his people in this world and is given a seal of the Holy Spirit upon his people and whatever they go through he will remain faithful to himself. The Lord wants you to have this assurance that his promises cannot fail because he's the one who has the master plan He's the one who knows what is planned for your life and what he's put in your path and he's leading you, he's guiding you and he wants you to trust him. He will neither leave you nor forsake you. And regardless of your circumstance, God will remain faithful. He will work out all things, good and bad, for those who love him. They are working out for your good. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, writes that the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. And for us to learn and to appreciate the faithfulness of God, we must adhere to the word of God. It is a firm foundation upon which we build our lives. And God is faithful to his word. And when you read the scriptures, we see God's promises to men. And think about it. It is an awesome and compelling thought that the God of the universe can make promises to you and I and sticks to those his promises and works out all things to ensure that his promises to you will come to pass. And as he do so, he brings what he knows will work out for your good and for his glory. And when he withholds the things we desire, it's because it is for your good. He's a faithful God. We can depend on him. We can count on him. And we can trust him and save him even when we are at a crossroads and the, the can God really question lingers in our minds. We must constantly remind ourselves of who God is. We must have some appreciation 
of who God is. He is the sovereign creator and ruler of all things. He is perfect in wisdom, unlimited in power, and magnificent in glory. This is our God. And he's a faithful God. He's faithful to his people. Because all that are his have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And Christ is a beloved of God. And the third thing I want us to see is that forgetfulness leads to doubt. Forgetfulness leads to doubt and rebellion against the Most High. Forgetfulness leads to doubt and rebellion against the Most High. Verse 17 to 20. Yet they still sinned more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat? For his people? Christians are prone to forget. And we must work, we must work hard to remember, to remind ourselves of the mighty acts of God. The need to remember and not forget is a theme that runs throughout this psalm. We must remember God's mercies and faithfulness. The temptation to forget leads to doubt. And that doubt tends to unbelief and and rebellion against this God. If we're going to remain faithful to God, especially in difficult times, it is fundamental, it is essential, it is vital that we remember who God is and all that he has done for us in Christ. The psalmist records for us from verse 17 to 20, that they, they sinned against God and demanded that their cravings be satisfied. And they are not just content with what God was doing. They were not content with the fact that God gave them life and was providing what they needed for each day. They craved for things. They demanded that God must meet what they want. And when you read in Numbers, 
is that they, this led to test God. To test God's ability to keep his promises. Whether to, you, he was able to provide for his people. And they ask, can God provide for us? Can he spread a table in the wilderness? Can he finish us with nice foods in this desolate place? Can he give us milk and honey, onions and cucumbers? It is bad enough that the Israelite argued with Moses when you read in Numbers 20. And demanded that Moses should provide water, should provide food. But they forgot that it was God who was leading them. He led them out of Egypt. He was with them in the wilderness. And Moses accused the people of putting God to the test. But they quarreled with Moses. They questioned his authority. And behind that questioning, they were really asking whether God was still with Moses, God was still with the people of Israel. And whether Moses had the right to continue leading them as a people. And they were saying, is the Lord among us? And imagine they are questioning God, putting God to the test. And as they are doing so, the questions are being asked as the pillar of cloud in which God was present and which he led the people was hovering around them. They were questioning whether God was with them when the previous night the cloud of fire was with them and protected them. And they began to review the memories of Egypt. And they, they wish they could go back to Egypt. And as they do so, they begin to tell Moses that take us to the land that had milk and honey. And they forgot that they were slaves in Egypt. And they would rather go back to being slaves than being led by God. Through the wilderness. They treasured the memories of Egypt better than being in the presence of God and following God to the promised land. They sinned against God. Their forgetfulness led to, re- to doubt. And this doubt led to rebellion. These verses 
remind us of the need not to forget God and his mighty acts. The subtle tactic of the devil and the alluring deception of the world are that to forget the Lord's dealing with his people. That's the devil's tactics. And it seems inconceivable that the people that have been rescued from the wrath of God and have been granted eternal salvation would ever forget the one who at such a great cost bought their salvation. And yet this is what is true of us as Christians. We so often forget God, doubt God, and we, we rebel in our hearts to offer obedience and service to this God. And yet we forget that it is this God who at a great cost has procured our salvation and has given us eternal salvation and is sealed us, is guiding, is leading and one day will usher us to be with him in heaven. And when a trial comes, when a challenge comes, we rebel against this God, we doubt this God and we sin against this God by withholding our service, our talents to this great God. This is why when you, the scriptures time and again reminds us of the need to serve God by reminding ourselves of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. But when we forget we sin against God. We forget the wickedness of our hearts and what cost our Savior to redeem us from it. We complain. We forget the greatness of incomparable worth of all that is ours in Christ. That even the treasures of this world are nothing to the worth of our salvation in Christ. We hesitate to forgive one another because we, forgive, we forget that Christ has forgiven us much. God has forgiven us much in Christ Jesus. This is why we get depressed, lose hope, become joyless, and we settle for mediocrity in our service to God. It's because we've forgotten what God has done for us in Christ. We forget who God is. And God time again reminds us that we must come to his word and be reminded again of what he has done. This is why when we, when we gather to partake of the Lord's Supper, 
the, 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 the command there is that do this in remembrance of me. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. That when the world presses us from all, all fronts, and we seem to be forgetting what our God has done. And when we come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we remind ourselves of what Christ has done. And that must give us fresh energies to save this God and to proclaim his name till he comes. An obedient Christian cannot long remain a forgetful Christian. A Christian who's drinking from the deep worlds of the scriptures cannot remain long a forgetful Christian. Because as he drinks from the scriptures, he's reminded of what God has done. Our salvation is complete. And we are constantly reminding one another as we march to Zion. Forgetfulness is, is a great enemy to joyful, faithful Christian life. Forgetfulness is a great enemy to a joyful, faithful Christian life. We must not underestimate our need for encouragement to remember Christ. We must not neglect the means that Christ himself has given us to do so. God has accomplished our salvation in Christ. The Holy Spirit has sealed that salvation. And though we live in the wilderness of life in this world, beset by trials, ill health, challenges of various kinds, God can. He's faithful. He's with you in those moments of depression. He's with you. He's saying, remember what I've done for you and come out of the pit of depression and save me. Yes, things are not going your way, but I have a plan. And I'm working out all things, good and bad, for your good. And one day, when you stand before me, you'll see that even the greatest of trials were shaping you in the image of my son, Jesus Christ. And William Cowper says, behind a frowning providence, he hides, he hides a smiling face. So judge not the Lord 
with feeble sense. With feeble senses, rather. Because the clouds which you dread will break forth with sweet flowers. It's very possible, brethren, that you are in a kind of wilderness this morning. And you're asking, can God really? Can God really provide for me? Can God meet my needs? Or maybe you're here this morning and for you your question is, can God really forgive me of my sins? Maybe you're under the conviction that you are lost without God and feeling like you are the most awful and sinful person who's ever lived. And when you recount your sins against God, you are really asking yourself, can God really forgive me? I want you to tell you the good news this morning. Yes, God can forgive you of your sins. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, He can, He will forgive you. He's forgiven of, of many. He's still the same God. And he delights in forgiving sins. Those of us who are Christians at a crossroads and you're asking, can God really? I want to remind you is that look to the cross and there you find your answer. He did not spare his son You are in Christ, and He can provide for you. You do not have to live a defeated life when your God is still alive. He's very much alive, and He's doing all things for the good of those that love Him, and He wants you to be a trophy of his amazing grace in this dark world. That as you leave your world, every day you are singing praises of God. You are showing the world that I serve a God who can. I may not like the outcome, but he's working out all things for his glory and for my God. May you remind yourself that standing on the promises of Christ, you cannot fail. And as you rest your all in him, your motto, your song, must be, I'm standing on the promises of Christ, my King. Whatever circumstance, I'm standing on the promises 
of Christ, my Lord. Amen.